0: You're listening to a podcast from Jubilee Church, Farnham. To find out more, visit www.jubilee.church. I just thought it'd be good to introduce Sam. So I think we should clap Sam right now. Some of you uh, may not know Sam. And uh, so I thought we'd just, whilst the rest of the parents are coming back, just uh, ask Sam a few questions so you can get to know him. Is that all right? Because uh, he's going to bring the words to us this morning. So, so Sam, where, where do you, how long have you been, oh you've got a mic. Don't we? I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been at Jubilee? We've been coming to Jubilee for just over a year, um, but we didn't actually move to Farnham until March of this year. So we've properly been Farnhamites for six months. And where, where do you actually live? We live very close to Wade and Christian Centre, so on Ryle Road, which is basically the road opposite it. Yeah. So we're one of the closest in the church to the centre. Yeah. So notice that, trustees, key holder. Yes. Uh, yeah. Material there, don't you think? Security guard, yeah. And, and, and what, what do you do during the week? I work in the civil service, yep. so I work as an analyst for the Department for Work and Pensions, so I've been doing that for about five years, and, yeah, really enjoy it. And so up in London...
1: Yeah, a well, bit of a mixture. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I'm in Westminster about two or three times a week. Uh, I was in a lot this week. So, um, but yeah, home the rest of the time. Uh, so, and and married? Married, yes, to Emma, who's sat there. Been married for just over four years. Uh, yeah. We met at the University of Surrey in Guildford, and then we, after we got married, we lived there for a period of time before. Yeah, before coming here. Brilliant. So. And you were involved in the commission Guildford Church, which is called. It's called Hope Church now, but it used to be called um, Centrepoint Church. So we were there for about three or four years, uh, yeah, before we came here. And so, so there was a leader of that church called Boggles, who was very involved with Jubilee when we started 20 years ago. Mm. It was years ago. Yeah. But it's wonderful <laughs> to have Sam here. Sam was one of the preachers down in Guildford, and so I just uh, thought it would be great to have him bring the word to us this morning. So let's give him another clap. Oh, Thank you. Okay, should we, uh, we pray before we begin? Um, Father, thank you so much for this time we have together to look at your word. I pray that you would, yeah, you'd write it on our hearts and change us this morning. Amen. So yeah, it really is a real privilege and pleasure to be able to share with you this morning in what is the first of our new Advent series, where we're going through the four themes of Advent. As you can see, this is the first theme, which is hope. And then over the next few weeks, we're also going to be going through the others, so peace, joy, and love. Now, if you're like me and grew up in an Anglican church or attended an Anglican church for a while, you will know full well that these themes are represented in the Advent candles, that you light a candle in the lead-up to Christmas Day. So you might be thinking, ah, oh, well, will my local Anglican church be lighting the Hope candle today? But of course, no, they won't be because it's too early. It's too early to be lighting candles for Christmas. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, it is a bit early to be thinking about Christmas, isn't it? It's only the middle of November. You might have had questions in your household already as, are you in the mood for Christmas? Are you in the Christmas spirit? Well, if you're anything like my wife, you've been in the Christmas spirit for about two weeks. (laughs) Every day she's been saying to me, Sam, I cannot wait for Christmas. Are you in the Christmas mood? And I say, I'm getting there. I am getting there. Or maybe you've got children who are already ready to pop because they're so excited about Christmas. And one of the reasons that Sean and others have mentioned before that we're going through an Advent series is because we've got a lot of events, haven't we? A lot of events which we can be thinking about who we can invite. And my encouragement for us is to already be thinking about and be praying about who are those people which we can invite to some of our events, or actually some events within the town, or if you don't live in Farnham, maybe there's some local events which you know you want to bring people to. So we're starting our series today on hope um, in Advent. Some of you will know what the word Advent means. Uh, Some of you won't, and that's fine. The word Advent means to come, or coming, or waiting. But what I didn't quite realize, though, was the word Advent also is linked to the word adventure. The word adventure actually comes from the same root Latin word. So we're going to get a little bit technical here. So the word advent, that means to come or coming, and stems from this Latin word called adventus, which means arrival. But its root word, as you can see there, is advenir, which means to come. And adventure comes from the same word, veneer, about something which is about to happen. Now, sometimes we can come to Christmas, can't we, or we can come to Advent, and it feels like Groundhog Day. It's the same verses every year. It's just like, yeah, I know the story. I've been there, and I've got the Christmas jumper to prove it. But my encouragement for you and me is to not harden your hearts as you lead up to Christmas, but to soften your hearts and to open them to the message of Christmas and to let this Advent be an adventure for you. Whether you hear one, two, three, or all four of these talks in our series, I pray that we will all adventure this Advent. Maybe your life is really busy and hectic at the moment, and maybe you're only going to take one thing away from all four talks, and that's your journey, and that's fine. Or maybe your journey is going to be really significant this Christmas. As we go through this Advent series, maybe something's really going to be speaking to you. Sometimes the word adventure can be a bit of a Christian cliche. I don't know about you, but when I hear it, it's very abstract. And I kind of think, oh, an adventure must be this wild thing we go on with ups and downs and going to different places or countries. But actually, I think adventure is just a journey. So today is the start of that journey, I hope. And we are looking at hope. So this is where we're going. I'm going to read through the passage, and then we're going to focus in on one question and then two exclamations. So it's a three punctuation park, park? mark point talk. So if you forget in the week what I've been talking about, you can remember, oh yeah, it was on three punctuation marks. A question and two exclamations. So let's read the passage today. So it's from Matthew 1, 18-25, and it says this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So here's the first question. What are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you hoping for this Christmas? We'll all be hoping for something this Christmas. Hoping for presents or maybe a very particular type of present we definitely want, which is on our list a new coat, some jewellery, a new gadget, hoping for some nice new food, hoping for a fun Christmas, hoping for the best Christmas ever, hoping for a cheaper Christmas, or a quiet Christmas. Or maybe you're just hoping for no family dramas. I don't want that person to speak to that person about these particular topics. I just don't want that. Maybe your mind's already gone there when you're seeing relatives this Christmas. But we'll also all have much deeper hopes, won't we, this Christmas? Hopes of a Christmas which isn't lonely. Hopes of finding friendship, or a relationship, or love this Christmas. Deep hopes that your family and your friends feel valued and loved at Christmas. Or hopes that it won't be too sad, because of course Christmas can be really tough, and maybe it's going to be... you know it's going to be tough for you this year, or maybe it's tough for you every year. And many of these deeper hopes which surface at Christmas, they're good, and actually they're really important. And I think we have these deeper hopes brewing in us and welling up at Christmas because it's become such a focus of our culture, hasn't it? Kind of Schools lead up to it, work builds up to it. Stores are filled with Christmas lights and decorations. Supermarkets have the Christmas food. Websites, TV shows, adverts, social media. It's all geared towards Christmas. We're bombarded with it. And so it's no wonder that Christmas takes on such a meaning for us each year. A good meaning, a bad meaning. Maybe you become very nostalgic about Christmas. You look back on Christmases you've experienced in the past. Or maybe you have an idealized version of what your Christmas should be or what your Christmas will be like. It has such a deep cultural hold over us. And so these deep-seated, these kind of complex hopes which we have, they create a real hold over us because the cultural significance of Christmas in this country kind of overtakes us. It certainly overtakes me and my mind so easily. Very often for me, at Christmas, I find my mind just gets crowded out by so many of these hopes I have, so many of these deeper hopes. It kind of consumes me, and I become so fixated on all of these hopes that I fail to think and remember what the true hope is at Christmas. I get so fixating and and hoping in so many different things. I get so consumed that I fail to remember the true hope, which is to be found at Christmas. And this takes us to our first exclamation point for today. Now, I've been thinking about exclamation points this week. I think I'm addicted to using exclamation marks. I think I use them all the time. And maybe this resonates with you, but I've noticed it this week whilst I've been preparing. So at work, um, people might say at the beginning of the week, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I'm doing great, exclamation mark. Or they might ask, how did that meeting go? And I go, I thought it went really well, exclamation mark. But when I'm sending those messages, my face is not that at all. It's, I thought it went really well. Exclamation mark. Send. It was great! It was great. Send. I'm addicted to using exclamation marks, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily too much of a problem, but I think, for me, the exclamation marks, they, it loses all meaning if I use it all the time. But I think this, what we're looking at today, is worthy of an exclamation mark, that at Christmas, there is hope to be found. There is hope to be found... At Christmas, You know, as we jump back into our passage, it's actually helpful to look what comes just before this. It's interesting that Matthew, right at the start of his book, and right at the start of the New Testament, starts off with this massive gene- genealogy. So it's looking at Jesus' line, his, his genetic line, all the way back to Abraham. We Don't worry, we're not going to read it or go through it all. And, but it's interesting that it starts with that. And there's multiple purposes for its inclusion. But one of them points to the fact that this Messiah, this Jesus, he's been a long time coming. You know, Just between the end of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament is 400 years. 400 year gap. And as we look further back, we see the people of God. They've been waiting for Emmanuel. They've been waiting for this promised saviour. For thousands of years? Been hoping for thousands of years? And so Matthew starts this book and lists kind of all these names. And as he's listing these names, the people of God who he originally wrote the book for, the Jewish people... They would have known about all the kind of the Old Testament prophecies. And so as you, they went through this list, their minds would have been popping to all sorts of different prophecies. There's hundreds of, of them in the Old Testament. But here's just some example ones. Right at the beginning of Genesis, we have God speaking to Abraham about the nation becoming blessed, Isaiah 7 14 talking about Emmanuel. There's one in 2 Samuel, in Micah. There's loads of these prophecies. And the whole of the Old Testament, one could argue, is pointing towards this saviour. It's pointing towards a saviour. It's it's hoping in a saviour. The people of God have been hoping for a saviour. They've been hoping for a long time for a messiah. In many ways, they've been adventing for at least 400 years. Imagine if advent lasted 400 years. Christmas tree, always up. Adverts, yeah, it's just always about Christmas. So you see, that's kind of what we enter into at Advent. We step into a period of waiting, of hoping. We put ourselves back into the shoes of the people of God who've been hoping for a saviour. We put ourselves back into their situation where they were hoping for this saviour for 400 years, hoping and hoping and hoping that one day their hopes would be fulfilled. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Long Lost Family, Uh, whether you've seen it or watched it before. But essentially, the premise of the show is um, they follow a person who uh, was separated from a family member at a young age or or a couple of people. Uh, And it basically tracks their story as they try to become reunited with their family. And there was this wonderful story of some siblings called David and Helen, who were separated at a very young age. One of them was left in in a car seat when they were a young child. And then a few years later... Uh, the sibling was left in a phone box. And both of them were left in a, in a tartan box. But the authorities kind of never connected the two cases. And so for decades, for 40 or 50 years, both Helen and David were hoping. You know, they were hoping that one day they might see and be reunited with each other. And of course, the episode carries on and it eventually culminates in the two of them having a, as you might imagine, a very emotional Reuniting, and they've been hoping for so long, and eventually hope was realised. And so, when we come to these famous verses of the angel speaking to Joseph, we see it says there, doesn't it, that he will save his people from their sins. This Jesus, this child, and that they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Could this be? Could this finally be it? Could this finally be hope of thousands of years fulfilled? And the message of Christmas is yes. It's a resounding yes. Jesus is in the business of saving and changing lives. The people of God were waiting hundreds. They were waiting thousands of years. And many thought that this Jesus, that this Messiah, was going to be this great military leader who would restore the fortunes of Israel back to to yesteryear. But Jesus came for something much deeper and much greater than that. The hope of Jesus is that he will save you and that he will change you. All these other things we hope for in life, they won't save you. And they won't change you, not properly. And this is the hope which is to be found in Jesus, the hope of a saviour. But you might look around the world, or indeed your life, And feel hopeless. Oh, it looks hopeless, doesn't it? I feel hopeless. And I think we can look at hopelessness in two ways. So I think we can look at hopelessness in a macro sense, in a kind of big picture way. But then also we can look at and experience hopelessness at an individual level, in a kind of micro sense, So just looking at it in the macro, the world can seem hopeless, can't it? Wars, famines, poverty, corruption, it's all pretty hopeless. And we can be tempted, I think. I can sometimes be tempted or fooled into thinking, given that we live in a constant kind of news cycle, there's 24-hour news channels, we've got news at our fingertips on news apps, there's social media. We can be tempted to thinking, God, this is the worst the world has ever been. But you know the sad truth is that actually the world has always looked hopeless. If we just look, even in the past few hundred years, World War I, World War II, you know, quite literally the whole world being at war the Cold War, AIDS, the Spanish flu, the bubonic plague, the global slave trades. it's always been so. The world is always hopeless. So how does the hope of Christmas speak into this? How does it speak into situations like Israel and Palestine or the Ukraine? Hope that will save us from our sins. There was hope that this great divide, this chasm between us and God could be, could be bridged. There is hope in Emmanuel that God with us will come down, will reach down and save us. See, Jesus is in the business of saving and changing people's lives. And that is the message at Jubilee that we want to share all the time, but also particularly at Christmas. And so as mentioned, there's a number of events which we can invite people to. And Christmas, I think, is is a fairly easy invite for people. I think it's probably the only time in the year where people off their own backs actually want to come to church or want to engage in something. So we have a real opportunity So let's all be thinking and let's be praying and thinking, can we play a small part for someone this Advent to begin their adventure? So I hope your heart has been encouraged and warmed and reminded of the hope at Christmas, that there is hope to be found at Christmas and to recenter yourself on that, because I certainly need to be recentered every Christmas. So that's the first exclamation. And here's the second one. It is a certain hope. So we've seen that there is hope to be found at Christmas and that we can remind ourselves of that. But I put it to you that the message of Christmas and the message of Jesus and the hope to be found in Jesus is more than just hope. That it is a certain hope. And do you know why I can say that confidently? Because I know, we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. If we just read the first chapter of Matthew and then put it to the side, it would be a bit odd, wouldn't it? It would be a little bit like reading the first chapter of a thrilling novel and you're getting very intrigued and you're like, gosh, this this is looking good. But then you just close the book and you never read it again. Or you see a film trailer. And you're like, yeah, this is, yeah, no, that looks great. I'm really interested in this. But then you never go and see the film. Can I encourage you that we don't do that when we come to the Christmas story? You know, we know how this book ends. We know how the story ends. We know that the hope born at Christmas is only fully realized at Easter. Hallelujah, indeed. The hope born at Christmas is only fully realized at Easter. You see, Mary and Joseph, they didn't know if verse 21 was going to happen. They didn't know that for certain that this child of theirs would save the people, would save the world from their sins. The angels, the the shepherds, sorry, and the, the wise men, they may well have had a pretty strong hunch given what they saw, but they didn't know for certain What was going to happen with this child? But we do know how the story ends. We know that this hope was realized in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we now know that for those of us who trust in him, there is forgiveness, there is acceptance, there is redemption, there is life in all its fullness. And of course, that offer is open to everyone here. Whether you think you've heard it all before, that offer is open to you today. You see, the writer of my favorite Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Charles Wesley, I like Charles Wesley. He just couldn't help himself. Writing a Christmas carol, he just starts talking about Easter, which I absolutely love. And here are the words, which I'm going to read because I just think they're brilliant. Talking of Jesus, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And we can reread that, can't we, to make it personal to ourselves, just in our own minds as I read this. Born that I no more may die, born to raise me, a son or daughter of earth, born to give me second birth, hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. I tried in a previous church to get us to, s- to sing this carol near Easter. I wasn't successful, and I think on balance that was probably right, because we, 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 if we sang that at Easter, we'd probably be getting so distracted as to why we sing a Christmas carol that we wouldn't pay attention to the words. But hopefully you get my point, that you know, there is hope to be found at Christmas, and it is a certain hope. You know, Dave explained last week, so helpfully explained to us, how this ragtag bunch of disciples and followers of Jesus, fueled by the Spirit, because of Pentecost, started the greatest revolution the world has ever seen, and is the reason why we're all sat here today. Fueled by the Spirit, but undoubtedly also certain of this hope. Certain of the cross and the resurrection. The hope of Jesus is much more than a faint hope. It is a certain hope that we can trust our lives with. I recently read this incredible story about this Hungarian priest who, uh, during the Second World War, was captured by Nazi Germany and was put in a concentration camp. Over the course of a number of months, his friends and his family were writing to the German officials to say, He shouldn't be in there. You've misidentified him. You've got the wrong person. Eventually, over months and months and months and letters and letters, the family of the priest got a letter through which said, you can come to the concentration camp. He's been scheduled for release. So they go to the concentration camp. But when they arrive there, they're told, I'm sorry, he's not coming out. And they said, why? And they said, He's decided that he doesn't want to be released, but that he wants to give his position so that someone else can be released. This Hungarian priest was so certain in where he was going, he didn't fear death. He stayed, someone else left, and he was heard of no more. A man who was certain of where he was going, that he didn't fear death. A couple of Fridays ago, not this Friday, but the Friday previous, I went to the funeral of uh, my youth leader growing up. Uh, He was my youth leader for about 10 to 15 years, and he had a really significant impact on me coming to faith, uh, as he did with my brother. He'd been unwell for a while, and um, we knew through kind of messages and a group chat, uh, but also it was mentioned at the funeral that in the final few weeks, whilst he was still able to speak, you know what he was saying to his friends and family? He was saying, I'm really excited because I'm just about to start my greatest adventure. You know, he knew where he was going. He was so certain. And so when we look at these verses of a hope promised, well, we know how that story ends, don't we? We know it. We've seen it and we celebrate it at Easter. And we're going to remember that in a minute when we do communion, aren't we? That we will take time to remember ultimately when hope was fulfilled. So hope, which we've looked at today, hope was born at Christmas and it was realized at Easter. Hope born at Christmas, realized at Easter. So, to conclude, three points before we take a moment to to reflect. What are you hoping for this Christmas? As I said, there will be lots of deep hopes, which we have. Can I encourage you to reflect on that second exclamation? On that first one, sorry, the second point. That at Christmas there is hope to be found, in the midst of these deeper hopes, that we would spend time reflecting on that beyond today that you'd spend time reflecting on that. And also reflecting, and maybe this is where God's speaking to you most, that our hope is certain because we know how the story ends. And that's it. So I'm going to quickly, I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to leave about 30 seconds for silence for us all to kind of reflect, and then Sean will come up and lead us in communion. So Father, thank you so much for for hope, that there is hope at Christmas and that our hope is more than a faint hope because of you. Lord, help us now just quietly in our hearts to reflect on you.